Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hello and welcome to the Rachman Review. I'm Gideon Rachman, Chief Foreign Affairs Commentator of the Financial Times. This year we'll see the political retirement of a woman who's been the most important figure in European politics for the last 15 years. Angela Merkel will step down as German Chancellor in September. And we've also just found out who will succeed her as leader of the governing Christian Democrats, and therefore in all probability as German Chancellor. The new person is Armin Laschet, the 59-year-old Prime Minister of the state of North Rhine-Westphalia. To assess what all this means, I'm joined this week by Wolfgang Ischinger, a former German ambassador to Washington and London, who now chairs the Munich Security Conference, which is probably the most important annual meeting devoted to transatlantic relations. So what will a post-Merkel Germany mean for the world? During her 15 years in power, Angela Merkel's presided over something of a golden age for the German economy. She's also handled a number of turbulent moments in Germany's relationship with the outside world. The Euro crisis, Russia's annexation of Crimea, the refugee crisis which saw Germany admit more than a million refugees in 2015-2016, the election of Donald Trump, and Brexit. During Britain's agonising efforts to renegotiate its relationship with the EU, the British government looked to Merkel to deliver a radical new settlement. Also, I have heard some expect my speech to pave the way for a fundamental reform of the European architecture, which will satisfy... But as she told the UK Parliament in a speech in 2014, that wasn't within her power. I'm afraid they are in for a disappointment. As Mrs Merkel explained, her job often faced her with unenviable choices. If what I've been told is true, then it will be obvious to everyone that I find myself caught between the devil and the deep blue sea. That, ladies and gentlemen, is not a pleasant position to be in, at least not for a German head of government. Those difficult choices will now have to be made by a new German leader. Die Mehrheit, die absolute Mehrheit der abgegebenen Stimmen erreicht. Herzlichen Glückwunsch, Armin Laschet, und vielen Dank, Friedrich Merz. Before the CDU voted on its new leader, Armin Laschet took the opportunity to define himself, pointing to his origins as a coal miner's son. Mein Vater war Bergmann, Steiger in der Zeche Anna 1 in Alsdorf, jeden Tag 1000 Meter unter der Erde. But what would Mr. Laschet mean for the outside world? In the immediate aftermath of his success, some critics have pointed to statements made by him that suggest that he advocates a weaker German line towards Russia and Syria. But according to Wolfgang Ischinger, Mr. Laschet, above all, offers continuity from the Merkel era. Well, I think the message to foreign observers is you don't need to worry the election of Armin Laschet as the party head of the CDU is essentially a message of continuity. And if, and there is a big if, 
if he manages to establish himself as the candidate of his party and of the sister party, CSU, for the chancellorship later this spring, the elections, of course, being only in September, I would repeat, nothing to worry. Germany will be Germany and there will not be a significant change. And was that true of all candidates? Because there was some suggestion that Friedrich Merz was much more on the right, probably more in a domestic sense, but nonetheless would take the party to the right, and that Norbert Rotgen, at least in foreign policy, wanted a harder line on China, possibly on Russia. I mean, one of the things about this selection process is that all three candidates had international experience. They are familiar with European affairs, all three of them. But the interesting thing is, and I think that is symptomatic for the political situation in Germany, international issues, China, Russia, the Middle East, the United States, transatlantic relations, the future of NATO, none of these fundamental challenges to global order and to our security played any role in the discussions that I've had a chance to participate in and and to witness. So once again, Germans are preoccupied with domestic issues. And I think Armin Laschet came out on top at the end, narrowly, because he was seen by a majority of the delegates of the CDU as the person most likely to be able to integrate the right wing and the left wing and the center Friedrich Merz would have been more determined to return to the kind of previous role of the CDU, a CDU that is reluctant to spend more money budget-wise than absolutely necessary, a CDU that would be more easily identifiable as the conservative party in Germany. And that is why Friedrich Merz continues to have a significant group of followers in the party. He scored almost 50%. In other words, there is an unfulfilled desire by many in the CDU to uh, say goodbye to the kind of centrist approach that Angela Merkel successfully pursued now for 15 years. The Merz crowd wanted to return to a more classic 20th century type conservative CDU. But um, I guess that's now, at least for the time being, on the losing side. You said earlier, though, that it's not at all assured that Mr. Laschet will become the chancellor. Is that because the CSU candidate rather than the CDU candidate might be the chancellor candidate in the election? And also, how assured is it that the right will continue to win? I mean, could there be an SPD comeback or some other force? Well, when you look at the most recent polling data, you find the CDU is at about 35%. That would indicate that it is by far the single strongest political force in the country. The Greens are hovering around 19, 20%. The SPD, our traditional social democratic party, Uh, has lost so much support, they have not been able to grow out of the 15% margin, which they've been having for about the last year or so. Of course, the good news is that these current polling data indicate that neither the far left 
nor the far right, the AFD, are even close to getting beyond 10%. I forgot to mention the FDP, the liberals, they are somewhere between 5 and 7%. Maybe they can move up to 8 or 9 So they are definitely among the two or three smaller parties, but they could play a decisive role. The bottom line of all of this is that the vast majority of Germans prefers a kind of a mainstream, either social democratic center or CDU right center type of approach. In other words, that reinforces my earlier comment that Germany appears to be in a pretty solid status quo type situation, not much disruption is to be expected from Germany this year or as a result of the elections in September. But nonetheless, I guess it'll be quite a moment when Angela Merkel does step aside later this year. Is there any anxiety that without her rather unique brand of leadership and experience, that the country will be entering a slightly new situation? I mean, I remember being in Germany during one of the elections, I think it was 2012, when the CDU poster was just a picture of Merkel's hands as a sort of symbol of safety. And that safety net won't be there anymore. Well, yes, absolutely, Gideon. I mean, let's be blunt about it. If Merkel did not have this enormous appeal in one of these recent polls, her popularity was above 70%. If she didn't have this continuing strong appeal across party lines, she could have considered, you know, under normal circumstances, stepping down, resigning from the chancellor's position and allowing her successor, Armin Laschet, to be elected chancellor next week and then having the bonus of being a serving chancellor in the election process. There are some constitutional difficulties with such a process But I think the main political reason why this is not being considered as a serious option is that the party believes that they can bank on Merkel, at least through the election, because she will be the chancellor on election day and probably for a few weeks beyond into the month of October or so. So the strength of her popularity will help the CDU. I think the challenge for the next chancellor, whether it's going to be Armin Laschet or the other possible candidate, Markus Söder, the minister-president of Bavaria, the challenge for whoever is going to be the next chancellor will not start before October, November. Up until election day, everybody will look at Merkel and the question of who is party chief and who is going to be the next chancellor, that will really only be decided on election day. And I mean, you said that the outside world could be reassured that Germany is looking pretty stable. But from Germany looking at the rest of the world, the situation facing a new chancellor, indeed Merkel right now, looks extremely disconcerting, does it not? I mean, you have the United States, your major security partner, undergoing a sort of unprecedented crisis in its democracy. Alexei Navalny, who was after all in a hospital in Berlin, arrested immediately arrives back in Moscow, increasingly aggressive, seeming China. I mean, how much do you think the German foreign policy establishment, which if I can say so, you kind of epitomize, how concerned are they about the world situation? You know, Angela Merkel won her first election and became chancellor in 2005. And then she was 
re-elected, of course, several times. The promise which uh, helped her win election and re-election was there is not much to worry about. You can rely on me being a symbol of continuity. And she has actually not played a major role or spoken about the difficult global challenges ahead with the exception of climate. She has not been known for 15 years to make major speeches, policy decisions, changes in the area of foreign policy, security, or even most importantly, defense. She has generally left that to her defense minister. So I think what is going to happen after this election is that the German leadership, regardless who will be chancellor, who will be foreign minister, who will be defense minister, will find themselves unable to continue this kind of Merkel approach, telling the German voter, you don't have to worry about the outside world. I think the German voter understands, either intellectually or by instinct, that the world has become a much more dangerous place and that these major power shifts, China now being addressed as a systemic rival by the European Union, where if you had asked me three or four or five years ago, I would have said most Germans look at China simply as our most important export market. That has changed significantly. And I think Angela Merkel made one comment, as you remember, Gideon, in 2017, upon her return from a visit to Washington. She said, apparently, we can no longer take it for granted that others will take care of our security. Apparently, we will need to do more about it. Has she taken specific action to follow up on this? Not really. I think that is going to be the job of the next generation of German leaders. We will not have the luxury to forget about the 2% of uh, defense expenditure, you know, that all of us promised in the context of NATO, etc. So there will be very, very difficult and demanding decisions to be made by the next generation of German leaders and foreign policy, security and defense will have to play a much bigger role in the agenda of the next chancellor. I mean, I guess you could argue, though, that over the last year, Merkel has made a very important shift towards, if you like, embracing the Macron agenda for the European Union, much more integrationist, much more moving towards common debt, moves that Germany was very suspicious of throughout the Merkel period, really until the end. And do you think that faced with that world that uh, we've been discussing with these developments in Washington, Beijing and so on, the next set of German leaders will look at the world and say, look, the European Union more than ever is really our only viable option and give a further push to European integration? Yes, absolutely. I think so. That's the good news. I think the pro-EU inclination of a large majority of Germans and certainly of a significant number of current or potential future German leaders, that's very reassuring. At least for me, that's really the best news of the day. And that will be true of any of these candidates for chancellor. Armin Laschet is a pro-European. Markus Söder is a pro-European. And let's not forget Angela Merkel her art of governing and winning elections was not 
by making sweeping proposals for reform. She did not give a speech, as did Macron three years ago, proposing reworking the uh, European Union, etc. She waited until the moment of terrible crisis was upon us, with the fallout of the pandemic threatening the prosperity of the entire European Union earlier this year, in the early summer. And at that moment, she agreed with Macron and took this, what I would call, almost historic decision to uh, open up the European Union to a debt arrangement, providing significantly more funding capacity for the European Union. But that was, you know, in a kind of reaction crisis management mode. I think the next generation of German leaders will have to approach these European issues and the transatlantic issues, global issues, foreign policy challenges in a far more proactive manner. Again, here, I'm not worried. I think we have a significant degree of conviction by the average German voter that the EU is not the problem and that the EU should be the solution. The pandemic has reinforced this impression. We did have a bit of a discussion over recent days. Was it smart or was it a mistake to ask the European Commission to provide the, the entire European Union with the vaccine? Or should we have done this on a national basis? I think the almost consensus among German elites and certainly among the media commentators has been, it was not a mistake. If Germany is getting rid of the pandemic, we need to make sure that Denmark and Austria and Italy and all our other neighbors, we have nine neighbors. This is the difference between Germany and the United Kingdom. We have nine neighbors at our borders, and that's the fundamental idea. So I think we're really in good shape regarding this German conviction that the future's name is Europe, and we need to be the enabling power to develop the European Union into a more capable international actor. That will be challenging now with the UK being absent, but it will not be impossible. And I think that is the historic task for Germany going forward. That was Wolfgang Ischinger in Berlin, ending this edition of the Rachman Review. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd appreciate it if you could tell a friend or leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and I hope you'll join us again next week. You can find the Rackman Review in all the usual podcast apps. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams 
who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com.